Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Across the UK, online and on DAB. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are live from College Green in Westminster. We were here all week last week. We thought last week was historic. Apparently this week's going to be historic as well uh, or possibly hysterical. We just don't know where it's all going. We, all we do know is that Oliver Letwin, who was king for a day last week, didn't manage to get anything done, has been given the opportunity to be king for a day again. Uh, let's see whether he gets anything done today. There's going to be more voting uh, later on, on indicative votes. We're going to try and get closer to some kind of agreement in the Houses of Parliament behind me. The trouble is, there are lots of people behind me, who don't want us to leave the European Union, even though that is what the people actually voted to do. They say they want to honour the result of the referendum, but then they tell everyone that they didn't know what they were voting for. So which is it? Are we going to go on and on and on until we all keel over with boredom or eventually die? Or is there going to be another referendum? Are we going to have a general election? Is Theresa May going to fall on a sword? Is Jeremy Corbyn going to become the next Prime Minister? There's so many questions and only a couple of hours in which to answer them. You could, of course, help us. 0344 499 1000. I'm joined by Greg Hands MP and by James Max, Talk Radio's early morning presenter uh, and a man who actually is the constituent of Greg Hands MP. It's almost as if we planned it. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The fallout, the fury, the future. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Yeah, order on Talk Radio. Well, the sun is shining uh, lovely uh, this morning. Uh, that's even a dreadful say, way to say that. But never mind. James Max is here. Greg Hans is here. Very good morning to both of you. Morning. Oh, Thank morning. you very much for joining us. Greg, let me talk to you first because we've been hearing so far on the show, we've been going for about an hour, that tonight's votes are going to be still yet to be chosen by the Speaker. We don't know precisely what they're going to be. But more than likely, uh, the, the House is going to try and coalesce, we are told, around some kind of a customs union agreement. You yourself have written a paper today uh, in which you're quite vehemently against it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, my paper, which you can see on my website, greghands.com, uh, goes into some detail. I'm the former Minister of Trade Policy, um, the only one there is in the House of Commons, and I go into a lot of detail as to why a customs union is a poor choice. Yes, and as far as you're concerned, why then would anybody want to vote for it in that house behind us? Because the problem we keep hearing about uh, is that they don't like Theresa May's deal. Um, it's not in any way what they think that people voted for. However, they want to seemingly make her deal softer 
to make it even less like what people voted for. Well, I think a customs union uh, is superficially attractive because it sounds like a compromise and it sounds flowing. But there's massive downsides. Effectively, MPs are being asked to hand over control of UK trade policy um, to uh, the European Commission and to MEPs. So effectively, MPs are saying that more control over trade policy will be exercised by a Latvian MEP or a Greek commissioner than by the British people's own elected representatives here in the House of Commons. And it's actually the MPs, there's about 40 of MPs, are actually proposing to hand over their power uh, to somebody else, and I think that is unacceptable. It seems extraordinary, doesn't it? James, um, you're a man that knows a lot about the city, worked in it for many years. I mean, what are the city saying at the moment in terms of things like a customs uh, union and a deal whereby you are dictated to, essentially, by a bunch of bureaucrats in Brussels? I think there are two important things to note from where we are. The first is that city and business want to have uh, a sense that there is clear direction and they want to move away from the uncertainty. Uncertainty, although it's the new certainty, mm. is not a good way in which to plan your future business. So they just want clarity, they want certainty. Then they can begin to plan and begin to invest again. That is what's hurting the, hurting the economy. The other thing they also want to remove out of the equation, mostly, there are very few people who would support him, is Jeremy Corbyn out of the equation. They do not want to see him as a prospect because any investment plans that they make would therefore be scuppered by any plans uh, economic that he may have yes. so that's one side of it the second side which i think is also really important is you do not want to be in a position as greg has correctly said you do not want to be in a position where you are stuck into a deal that you cannot and have no power in which to negotiate and if you are in a customs union yes lovely idea but you then got to have a seat at the table if you don't have a seat at the table you are hamstrung it's a disaster it is worse than any kind of no deal that anybody can imagine and the problem that we've got in the palace of West westminster is that we have a huge number of mps who seem to think that they're terribly important mm. and they know everything and they have very little experience, and a lot of them know nothing. Well, that's right. And one of the things I say to many of those who come here and sit in this tent of shame, as we call it, and tell me that, you know, <laughs> well, the thing is there were so many different ways of leaving the European Union, we didn't really uh, explicitly point out what those were. I say to them, well, how about we have an explanation as to what remaining means? Because everybody that I know who knows anything about the European Union will tell you that they're about expansion, they're about making more of a federal state uh, and the United States of Europe, they're about more integration, less individual control for each country. So where we would be if we did not leave the European Union in 10 years time is what I'd like to know. Well I think it's a good point Mike and actually the European Union uh, without the UK uh, well actually currently with the UK is making further moves towards um, integration and talk of the EU army and other things. I have to say I voted Remain in 2016 but that was uh, if you like a balanced mm. uh, calculation between short term and long term but the British people have voted to leave and I respect that. We need to make sure that leaving the European Union works, staying in a customs union is in my view the worst of all worlds because we'd effectively be very close to becoming non-voting members of the EU. It would be taxation without representation and all of these things and as I say it's bizarre to me that MPs, British MPs, want to vote away their right to control British trade policy um, to uh, unelected commissioners in Brussels and MEPs mm. from other countries not including the UK. That is absolutely bizarre. Has this now become, for you, inside the Houses of Parliament, as it has for many people outside, though, become less about the actuality 
of what is going on and more about the which side of the political divide you are on you know like there are people who are apparently ashamed to go to work to say that they voted to leave the European Union there are people who are frightened to tell their families that actually they'd quite like to leave the European Union you know everyone who wants to leave the European Union is being painted as a sort of bigot a racist an idiot you know a dummy uh, and, and only those enlightened folk uh, are the ones that will lead you to the promised land somewhere over there well, I think there's a lot in that, and, and I think one of the dangers we're in now, at this late hour, is there is a desire for compromise out there, which I totally understand, um, but this customs union idea is absolutely the worst possible compromise. A better compromise, and it's not very popular, I have to say, but a better compromise is actually the Prime Minister's deal. Uh, unsatisfactory, though I find it, I think that is a better solution. We're at, well, at least we've got control over our trade policy, uh, at least we have control over other things, over migration and over our money. Uh, a lot of people dislike the deal, uh, but I think on balance the deal is the best option that's available. Do, do you think, though, on that deal, that the reason that they dislike it is because they're allowing their view of Theresa May and the negotiating process to get in the way, and also they don't understand the difference between the the deal over which she is really trying to push through the Commons and then uh, the withdrawal agreement, and then the future negotiations. To me, the withdrawal agreement, I don't actually give two stuffs, I don't care about it particularly, just get out. The next point, which I think is really important that we haven't focused enough on, is what does the deal look like afterwards? Because of the very clever way in which the EU said, this is the sequence of events. So if you have the sequence of events, therefore, this is how we're going to do it. We're not going to discuss trade with you until you're out, until you've given us £39 billion. So I don't like the idea of handing over money, and I don't like the idea of being stuck within, perhaps, uh, the backstop if it were to come to pass. All I would say is we import more from the EU than they uh, take from us. Sure. So if we decided to be very difficult, we can be very difficult indeed. And I would hope that strong negotiation would mean that that second point is. So hold your nose, get behind Theresa May's deal, get it through the Houses of Parliament. That is the best option for this country, I think, going Well, forward. it might be, but isn't there also a danger that Theresa May is the wrong person now to take it any further forward? I mean, as a Tory party MP, as a Tory member, Greg, are you confident that Theresa May can actually make something happen or has she got to the end of her road would it be better to put somebody else in charge and if so who would that be well there's a lot of questions there Sorry. Um, um, but, but I'll try and answer <laughs> Short for time. I'll try and answer some um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm giving you all the meaningful vote sort of style uh, well, uh, it's almost like you were lying on the sort of psychiatrist's couch there it's just all coming out well, she's, what it feels said, like. she's already said that she'll um, um, stand down if the withdrawal agreement is passed uh, and that is, I think, the right thing for her to do. It's something that I suggested uh, some time ago. I'm not saying uh, I'm not being blown my own trumpet. It's a lot. Quite a few MPs suggested that. I think we do need a different team for the second phase of the negotiation. Um, uh, James is absolutely right. We should never have conceded the EU sequencing of negotiation in the first place. It's, uh, it's easier, benefit of hindsight, to say that, but that was a mistake. And we need to have a different approach now in the second phase of this negotiation to make sure that we are not in a customs union, to make sure that we do have proper control of our own destiny as a country, but equally to remain close to our European friends and allies. And you know, that is inevitably but not just betrayed, but for security, counter-terrorism, all these other things. I think that is perfectly possible with the right negotiating team. And surely as well, the longer that this kind of uh, miasma goes on, this impasse, 
the less easy it will be to rekindle those relationships with people. Because at the moment, you know, we've got uh, Jean-Claude Juncker giving interviews saying that, you know, our patient's going to run out one of these days. I don't actually blame him for that. And similarly saying what we need to know is what the British Parliament is in favour of rather than what it's against. Well, it's, and, it's I mean, easy. It, it is looking ridiculous at this it, point. Yeah, but it's very, um, it's not being entirely honest for people in Brussels to be saying that because one of the reasons the UK is in this difficult position uh, is that the withdrawal agreement uh, uh, is so unfavourable to the UK. And, and it may seem a bit bizarre, I'm calling on people to vote for it, mm. but the Prime Minister should never have signed that agreement. But it is the only agreement that is available, and that is the only route out of the European Union now, I think. Um, therefore, I'm afraid we're all going to have to hold our noses, vote for that agreement. But it's a bit two-faced to Brussels to say that the UK can't make up its mind. Uh, How well, they are the ones who've dealt with yeah. the agreement. <laughs> uh, look, it's who it, faced Brussels? Quite. What? I think. Look, Brussels have done their job. Their job was to make it look very difficult to leave the European Union. They've done that now. So now they should be looking forward to what is the right thing for the rest of the EU, if not for us, mm. if for them. And the right thing for the rest of them to allow them to move forward and to fix the euro, which is a horrible, horrible problem, and creating real problems for the very poorest across Europe, is to fix the economic situation, allow trade to flow, and make sure that London, which has the infrastructure to be the international financial capital, certainly of Europe, if not the world, that needs to function properly. Stop trying to take little bits over to Paris, little bits over to Germany. It doesn't work. It won't work. People will not go who are of those um, uh, particular organisations to do that business that they need to be done. Use London, use us, but let's get the trade right and quickly before we lose it. Because let's not forget, the most important thing out of all of this is that we could be totally ignored as a group of people if we forget how fast technology is moving. Technology ignores things like the European Union. It ignores country borders. It moves forward at a pace. We are being disrupted left, right and centre. We had better wake up to that fact very quickly. But we are being disrupted by the political process rather than by a commercial process. Well, and we're being obstructed. Yeah, well, that's the problem, though. And what I would say uh, to you, Greg, is that, uh, uh, you know, tonight there is apparently uh, a, a series of votes beginning around about 8 o'clock. There's also a reception, I'm told, by the 1922 committee. And I was told by someone uh, who may or may not be going to that, uh, that they were asked if they were going to invite the Prime Minister uh, to which the answer came, don't worry, uh, all of the other contenders for the job will be there. So um, I don't know whether you're going to go, but um, there is a sort of febrile atmosphere within the Tory party. We've got Theresa May worried about upsetting some parts of her cabinet. If customs union is voted upon and, and goes through here tonight, she's going to be in a hell of a bind, isn't she? Well, it will be difficult because the customs union clearly goes against the Conservative Party manifesto. Uh, last week, 34, I think, Conservative MPs voted for uh, a customs union, but that means that about 280 didn't. Right. Um, so I think it would be a very divisive thing. I think in terms of tonight's uh, reception, I'm sure there'll be no shortage of, uh, of my colleagues going around talking to each other, lobbying yeah. each other and so on. Um, but the most important thing are those votes at 8 o'clock tonight and further votes uh, later on. Uh, but this isn't the end of the process, I'm afraid. Uh, we then go not. into further votes probably later this week as well. Well, that's. I mean, my understanding was last week that after the, 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 the eight no's that happened last Tuesday night, that the next time Oliver Letwin brought it all back, it was going to be pared down to sort of four. But I'm led to believe now there's going to be another eight, possibly nine, James, tonight. And they may or may not be the same as last week. They may be different. You know, I mean, people are getting very fed up. I'm sure you don't need to be told this, Greg. But people out there who are calling this show, who are tweeting me while this show is on, are completely frustrated by the process. They need, uh, you know, they need to get to the end of it. 
We need to have leadership and clarity, mm. and I think that's what's lacking. Uh, I do understand why Theresa May decided to stand down. I have, uh, I, I know some don't, and some colleagues don't have sympathy with her. I think she's had a horribly difficult job, and if anything, uh, on a, Oliver Letwin's situation last week demonstrated that she was dealing with a parliament that doesn't know what it wants. No, um, and she uh, has been hamstrung and doesn't necessarily know what she wants, and that has created part of the problems. And we've also had negotiators in Europe who have wanted something different from maybe what we all voted. Yeah. So you add all of that together and it's a total mess. Setting aside that, I think that, you know, there are people in Parliament who seem to think that they're very important. I just bumped into Chuck Romano, who's, you know, he's done a very good job of, you know, getting himself a media platform and da da da. But this whole thing of like, well, you know, this sort of righteous view that somehow the 48% who voted in that election should somehow get their way mm. over the 52% who voted in that election... Uh, is absolutely appalling. And this is where we are seeing the difference between a referendum binary uh, political situation mixing with the oil, if you like, of a parliamentary system where, for example, I have seeded my, my vote with, uh, with uh, Greg, who's sitting next to me, who happens to be my local MP, and I trust that he will do what, what I would like him to do. As largely, a though, right? He, Not largely. on every single no, issue. No, no, but he has to balance that. So that's his job, is to balance mm. the views of the constituency. If you go into a referendum and say it is black or white, then then that has completely cut across the parliamentary situation. And what parliamentarians have forgotten is that there should be, in my view, um, an ascendancy, if you like, that if you go to a referendum, that should take precedence over everything. Mm. And I think they've forgotten that. Well, well I, you I, I think James is right. Uh, um, Parliament, of course, don't forget Parliament voted to have the referendum. I think, uh, and by promised margin, to honour its result. And promised to honour its result. Uh, and, and Parliament MPs voted by a margin of five to one or so to to, uh, to uh, trigger Article 50. So the view of Parliament was hold the referendum, obey the result of the referendum, and then to leave the European Union. And I can understand people's frustration. So one out of three ain't bad at this point, really, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I, can, I, can understand the, I can understand the frustration out there. Yeah. Um, but hopefully we will bring it to a conclusion uh, um, this week. Uh, uh, personally, uh, much as I dislike large aspects of it, I think the Prime Minister's deal uh, is going to be the route, and I think we will get there in the end. OK, Greg Hans, thank you very much indeed. James Max, see you again tomorrow morning. Yes, I shall be... Bright uh, and early. Yes, bright and early, five o'clock. Marvellous stuff, fantastic. Raring to go already. Uh, every, we're all raring <laughs> to go. This is uh, absolutely uh, like manna from heaven to talk radio because not only do we talk to all the people that count, we talk to you as well. We want to hear from you and we want to know. Uh, we were talking earlier in the first hour about uh, Jeremy Corbyn and the whole election process. What are you going to do if there's a general election? Tell us, 0344-499-1000. This is Talk Radio. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. I really wish we were actually out of time. I don't mean for this radio show, but I just mean for parliamentary procedure uh, to come to an end at some point. Will somebody put uh, some kind of time clock on it, a stopwatch, some kind of an egg timer, anything, uh, to make sure that the deadline that they have to meet is actually met? Every bloody deadline that we've had so far has not been met, and it doesn't seem to matter. Uh, we are, of course, here on... Oh, hang on, we've got the Brexit alarm. That must mean we have to check in with the countdown clock to find out how close we are, or indeed if we're getting any closer, uh, to absolutely nothing happening. Let's have a listen.
No, no, we're not getting any closer to anything happening, I'm afraid. Luckily, though, uh, in order to uh, pass the time uh, with some uh, pleasure, uh, we have Colonel Bob Stewart here, who is Tory MP for Beckenham. Uh, Colonel Bob, welcome back to the Tent of Shame. Thanks, Mike. Lovely tent of Shame, eh? That's what mm. it's called. That's what it's become known as. And lovely to see you here in such clement weather, because last mm. time you were here, I think you were telling us that the temperature inside the tent would not have been tolerated by Britain's armed forces. No, we wouldn't. Combat. We wouldn't have had a command post as cold <laughs> as you fellas had it. So here we are. We've moved into a yet another season, right? We could be here when the when the leaves start falling in the autumn. Ross Kemps is with us as well. Uh, tonight, we've got even more meaningless procedures, meaningless indicative votes, meaningless kind of um, MPs meandering around trying to find a consensus. Why can't they just find a consensus and move on, please? God knows, frankly. Um, <laughs> the, I don't know. I mean, we voted to leave the European Union. Yeah. It wasn't with a deal. It was to leave. That was it. We've had three years. We had a general election in 2017 where the major parties said, uh, we're leaving all the the vast majority of MPs in this place behind us mm. have said uh, we've got to leave. Yeah. So I don't understand why two-thirds of them are saying that actually we should remain. I know. Now, the fact of the matter is I know people, a lot of people disagree, they want to remain, but this place here, this Tower of Babel behind us... Yes, um, being held up just, by scaffolding, I know. Well, if it's being held up, probably, you know, I'm not so sure of that. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is this place said... We cannot agree, so we'll give the whole problem to the British people. And whatever you say, British people, we'll do. Well, the British people did say. They said by 4%, leave. And um, Parliament then said, oh, right, fine. Thanks very much. We'll have a general election. And the general election, most of the MPs were elected on a mandate that said leave. And we've mucked around for two years since the vast majority of MPs signed something called Article 50, which said we're leaving on the 29th of March, and lo and behold, the date approaches, and we haven't left. And then we've extended it, and we've asked for an extension because we still can't agree. It is an extremely difficult problem. I disagree with putting it back to the people. Look what happened last time I we know. did that. So, I can't um, believe you know, that anyone thinks that's a good idea. Well, a lot of people that's how do, we actually. got here in the yeah. first place. But um, Ross Campbell's here with us as well, our political editor. A man that basically hasn't slept since the last time you were here, Bob. Uh, the man is uh, incredibly hardworking. What news are you hearing, uh, Ross, from the, t from the chamber today? Well, when we have the indicative votes to return to the Commons tonight, votes starting at 7pm, I think the two main options on those votes which will come out will be the common market option and the single market, sorry, the uh, the customs union, permanent customs union option. Now, we know that both uh, of those options on the last round of indicative votes were rejected. I don't think that there is... Uh, much chance tonight of a strongly clear result in favour of one or the other and there is of course a question mark over whether that matters anyway because mm. any result that were to come out of indicative votes if it were to actually become government policy we'd need the backing of the cabinet and we know that the cabinet is bitterly divided over both of those options so it would be difficult I mean, to see. You can't even get the backing of the cabinet to, to select which kind of coffee to buy at the moment can you Bob? Uh, well uh, frankly um, the cabinet are in utter disarray. Yeah. It's actually appalling uh, for you know, people. four members of the cabinet didn't vote with the Prime Minister yeah. a week ago. Why are they still in post? Why are they still there? They shouldn't be. They should have resigned. There were other ministers that went against the Prime Minister's wishes. I'm free to do that. I'm a backbencher. I'm not a part of the government. And so what sort of discipline is mm. going to be put on me when I actually want to go and see my boy 
play football yeah. or something. I've right. got a 15-year-old, you know. Mm. Have you? Good yeah. luck with that. I managed to use the Brexit argument against my 14-year-old this weekend when I yeah. told him that he either had to sign up to my deal or there was no deal. And in <laughs> fact, I actually got what I wanted. And I thought to myself, well, maybe Theresa May's right. I've been saying this on the yeah. show earlier. Did you pay him, though? Uh, I had to buy him a new uh, PS4 controller. But Two that billion. Was part of the deal. It was only 50 quid. <laughs> cheaper than half the price. But you two dads understand the basics of discipline, which is that if you transgress, then there's a punishment. Yeah, and there's absolutely. something goes wrong. And unfortunately, the situation at the moment both at the top of government in terms of cabinet collective responsibility and more widely across the ranks of junior ministers. Uh, and even this morning, we have a really shocking intervention in political terms from Julian Smith, the chief whip, giving a media interview saying that cabinet uh, discipline has broken down. I mean, it's pretty extraordinary for a serving well, chief whip for to say Particularly for a guy whose job it is to control, surely, not only the party, but the cabinet. But isn't the other problem here, Bob, that, that the, the precedent that's being set here is that no vote means anything? Is that whatever? If you vote, if you lose the vote, don't worry. Come back and have another go. Well, it's pretty hard. I mean, constituents are coming to me. They said, "Well, hang on, you might be going for you know Mrs. May's deal, Mark Four. Mm. Um, we want to have another referendum, and you're saying no, you can't have another referendum. But you seem to have votes when you don't get it right. It's rather like the European Union is in this country. When you don't get it, when the European Union don't get the result they want, vote again. Well, it seems in a way that Parliament's like that. Um, but, you know, it's gone through. We're now in a situation, frankly, where um, I voted last time for Mrs. May's deal for the first time. Why did I do that against everything? I think it's a rotten deal. Yeah. It's an absolutely rotten deal. Why did I do that? Because if we don't get a deal through, um, we could just cr not actually have any deal. We could remain in the European Union. We are duty-bound to leave the European Union according to mandate and the referendum. And actually, if uh, the way I think of it is Mrs. De May's deal is not what I want. Not in any way do I want. Two reasons why there's no end date and the Northern Ireland problem is a problem for me. I spent three and a half years of my life soldiering in Northern Ireland. I am very fond of Northern Ireland. Catholics and Protestants, whatever. But so, you know, if we don't actually get some sort of deal going down, the, it's like a station, like a railway, it's like an engine. The train leaves the station. If we get on Mrs. May's deal and Mrs. May's deal train leaves the station, that's it. Brexit will happen. We may not like it, but it will happen. If we don't get on that train, it's likely that Brexit may be screwed around and procrastination may Go on, Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I—I I mean, there there is a huge weight to that argument, and I have seen privately, in terms of that train. I think if there were a meaningful vote for, for example, tomorrow, uh, although we have no firm indication of that, I think you would see maybe another 10 to 15 members of the European Research Group, Tory Eurosceptics, joining that train. But so is I think it just the numbers a process of, is it just a process of attrition? Well, actually, we were, saying, we were saying back in January, I can remember saying on this programme back in January, that we could be conceivably heading towards a situation where the government will throw the deal at the Commons again and again and again in an attempt to uh, force down the numbers. And we have seen the numbers dramatically reduced. Mm. So we're now on 58, a margin of 58. I think you could take that down to 45 on, on the next vote as it stands. Not enough, not enough still to, to get the deal And don't forget, we now have yet another deadline of April the 10th when right. there's a European Council meeting. And if there's no deal by April the 10th, what happens then? Right. Well, look, look at the, you could easily sort it. 
they could, the European Union could easily sort it in this council. I mean, they could give an end date to us. They could say, look, we're going to sort out the Northern Ireland border. It's, if those two things were fixed, we'd get a huge number of people coming on board. If those two things in Mrs May's deal were fixed, we'd actually win. So European Union, I know we're, you're laughing at us. My wife says the French are laughing like hell. The Italians are even laughing at what's happening here. <laughs> I mean, they say normally, the Italians say normally the British are sort of very haughty and say you're in disarray in, in Italy. But look at you now. So the European Union, the bosses, and if you listen to one of that um, lady who gave that speech in the Bundestag last week, yeah. she said, we are losing the British. These people, we need them in the European Union. I'll tell you why we need them in the European Union, we Germans, to stop to have a block of uh, power there that stops the southern states and including France just raiding our collective funds and taking money. Well, they'll have We're a lot less money it. as well. With well, us. they'll have a heck of a lot less money. They, she used the word 15 billion euros, I think. Well, that's about right. That's how much we're, yeah. we're giving them. Well, so maybe they should try a bit harder to keep Britain in the European Union well, that's, by offering that was us her a better point, deal. Actually. That was her point. Um, uh, you know, why did... And her point was, we should have been much nice to Mr. Cameron when mm. he came. If they'd actually obliged and changed the European Union a bit, then it wouldn't be... I think they didn't the see it. Like him, they didn't see that coming. They didn't think it was going to be a problem. And now that it is a problem, they're not really sure what to do. And their default position is not to be very helpful, unfortunately. Well, they're, that's they're daft. If I was them on the 10th, I would sit down, and I'm sure there's a contingency plan, and say, let's give them two things, and then we'll bind it. Let's give them an end date, and let's actually say, we will sort out with the British and with the Southern Irish the border in Northern Ireland, and that will be done in two years. Mm. Let's do that, and then actually will be game, set, and match on Mrs May's deal. Yes, exactly right. Well, somebody has to do something. I mean, otherwise we're all going to get piles sitting around waiting, unfortunately. Uh, sorry to use that particular epithet, but there we are. Colonel Bob Stewart, as ever, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Lovely to see you. Uh, good luck tonight. Sorry you're going to have another late night with another load of meaningless votes, but there we are. You know, such is the life of a parliamentarian. Well, I mean, we do it by paper. Yeah. It's all done on paper mm. now. At least we don't... I mean, I went. What do you think it is? The 18th century? Well, I, I went through the <laughs> lobby. I said, "Can we do eight for the price of one?" Which they've done. They've done eight for the price of one. It's yeah. a bit like Tesco's, isn't yeah. it? Well, Let's people do, are going to ask. Start if you, if you get that through, the people will say, "Can we not get eight MPs for the price of one?" It is a dangerous road that you're going down. Well, you don't want to look, I, like, you don't I, want to look I, that way. I love guy. my seat. Please keep me. Uh, <laughs> there might be a general election. We'll talk to you again about that soon. Colonel uh, Bob Stewart from Beckenham, Tory MP, uh, a lovely chap, friend of the show. This is the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction, and expert analysis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! On Talk Radio. hearing about how the can is being kicked down the road it does certainly feel like a road to nowhere i think everyone's lost sight of the can i don't think the can is any longer in plain sight they're gonna to have to find a new can uh, to kick further down the road to nowhere chris says there doesn't appear to be much policy or planning in westminster at the moment they're making it up as they go along while we the people who pay for it look on getting increasingly frustrated and disappointed well it's his grace well that's a very good point i actually woke up this morning thinking how much more of this rubbish are we going to have to look through and how much are we going to have to pay for? And if they do decide to have a general election, how much is 
that going to cost us? I think we should be holding all these MPs to account for wasting the government's money, for wasting the taxpayers' money, and for generally wasting everybody's time. It's an absolute disgrace. Let's go to the phones, though, because lots of you want to get on. Lots of you will get on. Uh, Craig is in Oxford. Hello, Craig. Morning, Mike. Morning. Welcome to the Tent of Shame, virtually. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Uh, now, Mike, you're going to spend your morning talking to politicians. I think you've got a pollster on a little bit later. We have. Um, and they all seem to fail out to understand one massive point. Yes. And that's now that it's got to the point where Leave voters no longer trust either Labour or Conservative to deliver on Brexit or stick to what they pledge in the manifesto. Okay? Leave voters will no longer vote for those two parties. So they can claim Labour was with all they'd like, but the only credible party or people that Leave voters can vote for at the moment will be the Brexit party. And the 7% that they think that they'll get in on the general election is nowhere near the truth. Well, that's right. But my problem is, as I've said before, Craig, how exactly do you go about dislodging all of these MPs? I mean, Dominic Grieve uh, gets voted out of his own local constituency party, and there was an awful lot of crocodile tears shed over the weekend by all these people from various sides of the divide telling us what a brilliant um, MP Dominic Grieve is, what a fantastic politician. You know, well, apart from the fact that he's trying desperately hard to stop a democratic vote from being enacted, right? But even he, it turns out this morning, is not going to be deselected by the Tory party. Theresa May is going to stand by him. She doesn't even have the cojones to get rid of Dominic Grieve, for heaven's sake. Well, uh, that's, that's not a new, a new revelation, the fact that she's not up to a task, is it, realistically? Um, th- I think that was, that was known before she even took the top spot. Um, the, the fact is that I, I'm at the point now where I don't think Brexit is likely to happen in the guise in which people wanted. Um, people claim that we want politicians to get on with it. Well, we don't want to get on with it properly and do it properly, not, you know, do it half like oh, they seem to be wanting to. Yeah, no, listen, you're, 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 I'm going to let you go. Try and come back, Craig, because we've got a line problem there and we can't absolutely hear every single word you're saying. Let's go to Richard, who's in Manchester. Richard, uh, very oh, good, good morning, morning to you. Mike. Thank you very much yeah. indeed for having me on your show. Not um, at so all. What would you like to say? I, I woke up this morning, Mike, and uh, on a little snippet on the radio said, that, oh, we've got a new prime minister today. So I jump out of bed, turn <laughs> it up. And, of course, uh, the lunatics have overtaken the asylum again. I forgot. Yes. It was it's little Oliver, Oliver, sorry, Sir Oliver Letwin. Yes, exactly right. The man who could not grasp control of Parliament the last time, uh, other than to tell everybody what he didn't like, as opposed to what he did. I couldn't agree more with you. And he, he's, of course, a, a, Roth, a Rothschild man, man uh, of the past. And uh, I'm just following the money, Mike. Well, he's been uh, a merchant banker for many a year. And the, fu- the, the funny thing is, right, that nobody has given him a hard time because he appears to be on the left side of the argument. Uh, he, he doesn't get given a hard time for being from Eton uh, and being a merchant banker in the same way that, say, Jacob Rees-Mogg does. He's a very, very neutral type of man, isn't he? Mm. And... Uh, out by Blair and his Soros money, uh, they, they allegedly uh, want to all stop Brexit. Well, and I mean, it couldn't be a more apt day for this, could it? April Fool's Day, Richard, for heaven's sake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got your point. Oh, it was wonderful. You're, you're fantastic. Macron, <laughs> another Rothschild man. In my <laughs> estimation, he will be sent to, uh, to, to run the EU in a little while because he yeah. wants to get a big army and defend us against China, Russia 
and the United States of America. Yes, I know. Unbelievable, isn't it? You could not make this stuff up. Richard, great call. Thank you very much indeed. Do keep the calls coming in. I'm sorry to say, uh, if there is a bad line, it might be tricky. We might have to move on to somebody else. But do keep trying, uh, because this is the only place to get your voice heard uh, in this world of uh, politics, the world of the media. People are always moaning about the mainstream media. We are the mainstream media, but we are not mainstream, if you know what I mean. 0344 499 uh, is the number. Coming up, we're going to talk to Nigel Evans, MP. We'll take more of your calls. We'll find out what the hell is going on. Is somebody going to appear at the 11th hour at 11.59, just before midday today, to say, we have decided to announce on this auspicious April Fool's morning that it was all a joke, after all. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order! With rapier-sharp instant reaction from some of the biggest names in politics and journalism on Talk Radio. Back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are back in Westminster. We're on College Green. It's a damn sight quieter than it was last Friday uh, when we were here, of course, when there was an awful lot of fire and brimstone, an awful lot of shouting, an awful lot of megaphones being used, an awful lot of microphones being used, speeches right, left and centre. Nigel Farage was here. Uh, Julia Hartley Brewer was here. Tommy Robinson was down as well. There was all sorts of suggestions by uh, John Snow from Channel 4. He'd never seen so many white people in his life, which came as a bit of a surprise to his father, who was a bishop, uh, who had sent him to a very nice public school, boarding school, in fact, full of white people in Sussex, where he grew up. But never mind. He's also been to Glastonbury, where there's an awful lot of white people. Uh, and as some people said, let's hope he never goes to his local Waitrose in Notting Hill. Uh, <laughs> God knows what he might find there. But anyway, uh, that laughter you hear behind me is Nigel <laughs> Tory MP from Ribble Valley. Uh, very good morning to you. Welcome back to the Tent of Shame. Now, who knew, Nigel, when you and I first started talking about Brexit, that we'd be here in the blazing sunshine of the uh, almost spring-like uh, weather of 2019? Yeah. When we're meant to have left the European Union three days ago. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm full of sadness, really, because uh, 
that's what we all expected to happen. It's amazing a Prime Minister can come to the dispatch box yeah. and talk about March the 29th 108 times, mm. and then it morphed into June the 30th. Yes. I mean, and, don't uh, ever give her a calendar would be my suggestion. Well, I suspect what happened is when people said, well, are we leaving on March the 29th? And the answer was yes. What we didn't know is which year. Yes. <laughs> Will I, will I still be alive? Well, I'm glad that you've still got plenty of humour left because <laughs> I'm wondering whether Theresa May, who worries, I think, a great deal about her legacy, yep. her legacy, I think, may well be that she destroyed the Tory party because <laughs> that's where it's going at the moment, Well, isn't it? the question for me is whether... We leave the European Union before she leaves number 10. Yes. And that's I don't a think huge there's question a, I don't mark. think there's much of a question mark over that. No, I Surely she... Le- I mean, almost any question now about whether or not something happens before we leave the European Union. Always pick the other option. Because, <laughs> I mean, I said this actually the day after the referendum result. I'd be amazed if this ever happens. And so it has proved. Um, I'm not pretending I'm some kind of a seer, but there's just too many people in that Palace of Westminster behind us who don't want it to happen and who are doing their level best to stop it. Yeah, and they dress it up as if um, um, they are supporting what the people voted for, but, you know, we're we're supporting Brexit, but Mm. uh, one that provides economic stability and uh, protects jobs and 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 environmental standards. And nobody voted to make themselves poorer. That's right. Well, I didn't vote for George Osborne to make me poorer either, but he certainly did, (laughs) you know, and he certainly did that to an awful lot of people in the housing market. Yeah, but, I mean, what happens is that when you say I'm supporting Brexit and then you add on all those other things, you've just undone what you said at the beginning, which was you are really not supporting Brexit. And where we are heading today in the indicative votes that we've got printed I in the order paper... I see you're an order paper there. It's always good to have a bit of evidence with you come <laughs> down. Um, is that we're going to Brino. It's yes. Brexit in name only. Right. And uh, clearly the par- parliament over me, which is packed full of Remainers, who believe that anybody who voted leave was a bit thick. Yeah. So therefore they're taking it to the next logical step, which is... The, the thick people won't notice mm. it's Brino. Right. Well, of course they will. If they keep also, I was watching Amy Thornbury and many others over the weekend oh. saying repeatedly, well, of course we have to honour the result of the referendum. Well, you can't just honour the result of the referendum by saying you're going to honour it. You have to actually honour it. <laughs> you know, but it's almost as though they keep repeating the words ad nauseam, hoping that we'll all just get bored and go away. <laughs> well, there's a chance of that, I suspect. There is. Uh, but, but, yeah, you're right. I, I watch the same programmes as you on Sunday. And you're right. When they say, yeah, well, we've got to respect the uh, wishes of the people at the referendum, they, they clearly do think people are thick. They do think people will not notice uh, that somehow or other we can't do trade deals with the rest of the world, right. even though that was clearly part of it. Depending on what they choose tonight, whether we'd be able to control our immigration. Mm. Uh, or indeed, if you go with jo- um, Joanna Cherry from the SNP, it's actually revoking Article 50 completely. Because yes. the reality of it is we have got a Remain Parliament. So, now, irrespective of the maths... They are going to choose Brino tonight, mm. I'm absolutely certain. And it depends then what the government do, how they and take that And does that mean that they're going to vote in this customs union permanency, as far as you're aware? Yeah, listen, you can't permanently do anything yeah. over there. You should never bind that, the hands of a successor government. That's what general elections yes. are all about. We can't, we can't bind the hands of a government from, you know, 2024. Well, if there's one thing we have learned throughout this whole process is that every single thing that has been said to be absolutely and utterly unmovable, unshakable, completely locked in and wrapped in stone or, or written in stone <laughs> and wrapped in parchment, it's all gone. And you can you can make any promise you like and not bother keeping it, and nobody apparently has anything to say about it. Oh well, they will, and that's where people must remember this because, you know, you've got a bunch of people uh, over my shoulder in Parliament who talk about the sovereignty of Parliament. Yes. All of a sudden, 
discovered sovereignty of Parliament, mm. which is lovely. Yeah. These are the same people who want to keep all our powers in Brussels. Yes. These are those sorts of people. But what they forget is that the sovereignty actually rests with the people, mm. which we have to every five years or sooner pass back to the people. Yeah. Now, the people are not thick and stupid. They will see Brino for what it is. They'll know that they've not been given the independence that they voted for, uh, particularly if we are justiciable in any way, shape or form by the European Court of Justice. I mean, the only thing that we will have achieved under the Customs Union is not having any MEPs in, uh, in yes. the European Parliament. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Where, where are we on that? Because given that tonight there is more voting going on uh, of a similar nature to what went on last Tuesday night, which was Oliver Letwin's first day in the sun, uh, this is his second day in the sun. <laughs> the provisional um, government. I mean, is, at what point do we uh, make a decision upon who and when uh, and what if we stand in the European elections? Well, it's got to be done before April the 12th, as right. I understand it. So... I think the Prime Minister is now just keen to uh, get something over the line, hence uh, basically what's happening tonight, choosing which is the most popular of the least yes. worst Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the new definition of the word majority, uh, which last week became, if you haven't lost it by much, that's the majority. <laughs> so, so whatever that happens, and it'll probably be Ken Clark's Customs Union, yeah. that's my, my yeah. betting. So then that gets a fight off between her deal, which... Customs Union, which a Remain Parliament would back. But which everybody else hates. Of course. Yeah. What well, the people hate, because mm. the people didn't vote for it. Yeah. So that will be foisted on the government. And it depends how, how they react to that, because as I understand it, um, the Attorney General's advice to the Prime Minister is it's an indicative thing, and you cannot force a Prime Minister to uh, basically adopt something that talks about outcomes. Right. So we'll see. With, uh, the Attorney what did General... you make of Jean-Claude Juncker's uh, sort of uh, interjection, if you like, <laughs> which I suppose he has to make from time to time? Um, he's interviewed on Italian television last night where he says, you know, eventually our patience will run out. And I have some sympathy with his, <laughs> with his point of view. But he also was kind of intimating that it's time Parliament told us what it was for rather than what it was for what it was against. And he has another point. There. Yeah, he does. Well, what we were for was the um, Brady Amendment, which was the Malthouse Compromise. Yeah. This is all technical rubbish, really. But what it means is we just go into the implementation period. Uh, and uh, over that period, which we had another year on, we talked to them about trade, which is, of course, what we should have done in the first place. Yeah. But you mentioned one president. Uh, my hopes, of course, as a Brexiteer, is on another president, mm. and that's President Macron. Yes. Now, just as de Gaulle said, no, we don't want the United Kingdom in our European project, and he, fought, he stopped us from entering, we now have to rely on another French president, hopefully going to be equally strong, and says, no, we don't want any of this rubbish you're out yes. on April the 12th with no deal. Yes. And I just hope, because as you know, one person can veto. They can. Uh, you need 27 Can we not just talk yes. somebody else into doing it, like the Hungarians or well, something? Well, forget the 39 billion for the European Union. We should just give it to President Macron yes. as long as he kicks us out. Yeah, well, indeed. I mean, I'm reminded of Charles de Gaulle's famous phrase about the cheese, where he said, how would you expect to unite a country which has 26,000 varieties of cheese? <laughs> or something like that. I may be paraphrasing. But I mean, it's the same as how, do you, how the hell do you get uh, uh, France to agree on anything with anyone uh, except for the European Union, which tells you why... It's all gone wrong yep. because the idea that for the French are actually in agreement with anything and anyone is nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, well, we, we love buying their cheese, by the way. Yeah, we do. Um, 26,000. Although there's a very nice it. Sussex brie you can get your hands on for a lot less money what come the tariffs. Well, we've got Lancashire Crumbly. Good. And Lancashire Crumbly probably describes exactly 
what our parliament's <laughs> like. It's crumbling all over the place. It really is. Tonight. Well, I mean, the fact that it's being held up by a lot of scaffolding <laughs> would suggest to me that that is quite indicative of uh, the way things are at the moment. Well, Nigel, very good luck to you. I'm sure we'll be sitting here again very soon. Nobody seems to know yet as well whether you guys are going to get time off for Easter holidays, are you? Uh, well, at the moment, no. But, uh, I mean, nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's bad news for Crispin Blunt because he told me he was going away. So well, all, all we do know with any certainty um, is tomorrow is Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, if the Prime Minister told me that from the dispatch box, I'd reach for my diary yeah. to make sure it was. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. Never a truer word said. No, Nigel Levin's there. Uh, Oliver Lettman will probably put an amendment down to turn it into Thursday. It might well be Tuesday briefly, <laughs> um, but uh, only uh, unmeaningfully. It's a non- nonsense, isn't it? Absolute madness. But uh, we will keep talking about it because it's the only game in town. We have to sort it out. And the longer we talk about it, uh, the closer hopefully we get to the end. But that's not necessarily true either. Uh, 0344-499-1000. Joe Twyman's coming up next. He ran a poll at the weekend uh, which said that Jeremy Corbyn would win the next election. God help us. This is Talk Radio. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Live from Westminster. Order on Talk Radio. Tent of shame. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham back once more uh, on College Green uh, in Westminster in the blazing sunshine. It's a little bit of a cooler wind today, uh, as if uh, sort of cooler heads have prevailed over the course of the weekend. It was pretty fiery down here last Friday. There was an awful lot of demonstrations going, lots of flags being waved, loads of UKIP flags, by the way, which all disappeared uh, like it's a one day only party. Who knew? They only cared about it for one day, and then the rest of the time they just gave up. How about this from Leo, who says, So Parliament's idea of resolving the solution is to go for a customs union, which by definition is the worst situation for both leavers and remainers it's baffling how we could end up in a situation where parliament has managed to alienate everyone who voted in 2016 well i think that's a very good point and what better time now than to speak uh, to a man who knows an awful lot about the alienation of the public and i don't mean that because of a personal problem uh, joe twyman is here very good uh, morning to you joe welcome back to the tent of shame it's a pleasure it feels like only last week <laughs> we were here well, talking indeed. about things and and of course big things have happened since i last saw you because you conducted a big poll uh, which got massive coverage over the weekend in the mail on Sunday and elsewhere uh, all about how Jeremy Corbyn would win the next election all about how people want uh, to move on with this they don't necessarily want a customs union they don't necessarily want a second referendum you know it's so difficult isn't it in this in this kind of climate to work out what people do want yeah the poll demonstrated two things really clearly firstly it demonstrated that public opinion can move very quickly the last time we did a poll last uh, last month we found that uh, found that the conservatives were ahead but that right. was just the week of the uh, the independent group forming of yep. labor being in disarray now, more recently, the Conservatives, obviously, uh, they're the ones choosing to be in more disarray on this occasion. It's Labour that's benefiting from it. But it demonstrates how things can move very, very quickly. And people should keep this in mind when it comes to, uh, when it comes to for instance, a future election. But also all of the ramifications of Brexit as they carry on. Absolutely. It also showed, however, that no one party gets enough, we estimate, seats for a majority mm. but of course the uh, the position that Labour would be in would mean that they could partner up we assume with the SNP yeah. to, uh, which is hard to fathom ideologically and politically except for the fact that they both hate the Tories so I guess they could reunite around that yeah it's our enemy's enemy is our yeah. friend explained best in the 1980s film Flash Gordon uh, and they would pathetic co- earthlings <laughs> they, they would come together and, uh, and in exchange get um, 
get, we assume, a referendum for independence in Scotland, a second referendum on, uh, on the EU. And, of course, going into partnership uh, with the SNP actually helps Jeremy Corbyn because he could then uh, defend himself mm. over a second referendum yeah. to, uh, to his supporters uh, who don't want a second referendum and say, oh, well, it was the SNP. Sure. Uh, and Presumably, though, I mean, not that we can get into all the constitutional ramifications that we hear all week. Well, we, luckily we, <laughs> we are, are going to be here um, all week. But, I mean, presumably the SNP would, would, would uh, extract the price for doing that sort of a deal by getting their own second referendum, wouldn't they? Yes, yeah, yeah. It would be a second referendum for Scotland yeah. and a second referendum for Europe. So yeah. it's not completely outside the realms of possibility that in the next six months we could have a, a Scottish independence yeah. referendum, an EU independence yeah. referendum, and a general election. Sure. Just I think imagine we should have more. Let's have more referendums because, I mean, they work so well, don't they? Yeah. I mean, look at what's happened <laughs> since we've had the last one. Uh, we haven't been able to stop talking about it. We haven't been able to resolve anything. We haven't been able to move forward politically with a thing. We haven't been able to sort anything out at all. And if both results were different in mm. those two second referendums, would they go for third time? Like well, both? I mean, you it, do it, have to ask them. Let's look at the data, though, from your uh, from your poll, because one of the things I suppose that you would say um, has the most support is for Theresa May to resign almost immediately. Yes, yeah, that's what a lot of people can agree on. Conservatives, Labour alike, they uh, they believe that uh, they believe that Theresa May should leave. Yeah. Now, a plurality of people think that she should leave now, but certainly a, a large majority believe that she should mm. leave either now or once the once the deal. If yeah. The deal if the is deal struck. is done. Well, I mean, she has said that she will do that, but of course, everything else that she said she would do, she hasn't. I done. was going to say she also said she wouldn't uh, get an extension. Yeah. And she wouldn't call a general election. She also so. said that, that we would be leaving the European Union on March 29th, which has come and gone. Although Nigel um, Evans, who was just with us, has said to me now, which is obviously the new Tory mantra. Well, she didn't say which year. Uh, March 29th we would leave and it may well be that we'll be sitting here a year from now saying isn't it amazing that we finally left the European Union three days ago I haven't polled on that but I understand that it probably wouldn't play well with the public no I think nothing at the moment is playing well with the public and that was clear in the other uh, in the other findings mm. that we had we asked we went through each of the eight each of the eight iterative vote options, including yes. Customs Union, which is going to be voted on today. Yeah. And we gave an explanation for each one, and we asked people whether they supported or opposed yeah. each one. What we found was that none of them right. got a majority support from the public. And this is all about what people say that there was wrong with the referendum originally, isn't it? Which is that, that oh, it was not specific enough. Nobody knew what they were voting for. Uh, when they voted to leave, it wasn't clear what they meant. This uh, poll of yours suggests that even if you had been specific, you would not have got anything more than a 52-48 on pretty much everything. Yeah, and this then raises the question about, OK, if there were a second referendum and you had two options or you mm. had three options or you had a runoff like they do in, uh, they do in some countries, yeah. the difficulty you have is that with no option getting more than a majority of support, that means in, almost inevitably, unless the situation changes and there's a big campaign for one particular position... Mm. It means that you're going to have a democratic deficit. Yeah. Whatever, it, the, around 40% is the most that uh, is the most that any of the options got, and there were a good sort of two or three that were uh, that were up there, sort of revoking Article 50, Common Market 2.0, New Brexit referendum, and No Deal. All of those were pretty much neck and neck on around 40%. But that means 60% yeah. of the population don't support it, and even among Leave voters, No Deal gets fewer than two thirds of, yeah. of Leave voters supporting them. I mean, and so this idea that oh well, we uh, we voted for we voted for no deal. That's true for some. It's certainly not true for all. No, that is the problem, isn't it? And have you ever seen, I don't know whether you can even answer this question, have you ever seen a subject that you've ever polled on which has been so sort of fragmented, if you like, because there are so many different answers to the same question. Yeah, I mean, not, not, nothing like this. Mm. I mean, it, it, the complexity of this issue is only now, I think, beginning to, uh, beginning to be appreciated, yeah. not just by the general public, but by the people in Westminster yeah. as well. I mean, I watched a comedy version of, 
uh, what Brexit means, which was made, I saw it uh, over the weekend, I can't remember who did it, female comedian, and it was a message to America. Oh, the Samantha B. Is one, that the yeah. one? Yeah. And it's very funny, uh, where she talks about how once they decided that this was a very, very complicated uh, matter, they then decided to give it to the public uh, on a two-choice ch- two sort of uh, piece of paper, which looked more like a shopping list for a very small shop uh, than it did for the... I mean, you know, and when you see it being sort of... When I've tried to explain, I've been on American radio stations a couple of times trying to explain exactly what has happened. And it, you, you can only do it in comedic terms. You can't actually do it in proper pol- politically, philosophical uh, sense. But of course, we knew, we knew this at the time. We knew that people, yes, they didn't like the EU, but a lot of their vote and certainly a lot of their decision on whether to vote or not... Mm was driven by their dislike of the political system yeah. generally. And in the nearly three years since that referendum, none of this has done anything to improve no. the view well, of anything, those people. But if anything, the, the political system has proven itself to be completely useless, completely and utterly without any sort of uh, direction, without any will uh, and without any sense. And so the best that the Conservatives hope can hope for is that a new leader will change things. Yeah. And that, that really could, again, to go back to how quickly public opinion can change, that really could change change things around for them, except that none of the leaders they have particularly, uh, particularly, shall we say, excite the public. Well, they don't. And the problem is nothing emanates now from the Palace of Westminster excites anybody at all, uh, apart from those who would like to come down and demonstrate outside the place. But there we are. Joe, thank you very much indeed. Joe Twyman, uh, director of Delta Poll, uh, with some very interesting information. But we are where we are, still stuck in the sand. The wheels are still going around. All we're doing is wearing down the tyres at the moment and actually not going anywhere. It's quite, um, quite an achievement, you have to Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 